Welcome, everyone, to episode 200 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Shelton. Now, on this week's episode, we have one minute before the doors close as we're reviewing the latest from John Wick, Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2 director David Leach. That's Bullet Train. Before we get to that, though, with me, as always, I have my co-host, Scott Harvey. Scott, what does 200 mean to you? Not a whole lot. It means it's in baseball. It's known as the Mendoza line, right? If you're hitting above 200, then you're at least a subpar hitter. Uh, if you're hitting below 200, you probably shouldn't be on a major league roster. That's about all it means to me, I would say. Um, wow. But no, I, Ice it's, cold. A, it, it's an achievement that we got here. Obviously, we have done more than 200 episodes, 200 podcasts. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think we're probably over 250 our, at this point, probably. With Yeah, across all of our countdown series and stuff like that. Champs Lunch that we did um, way back in the day. RIP. But it's an achievement. You know, we've been at it for five years now, just about. And yeah. um it's it's been a lot of fun we're not slowing down like this is it is a part of my life now and uh you know it, it's just something i prepare for every week you just accept and, it <laughs> yeah i do i just yeah. accept the accept the reality that i'm gonna have to come on here and talk to you about freaking bullet train for our 200th episode this is supposed to be special this was supposed to be special scott but we're talking was it supposed to be train. special you no, we talked wasn't. a long time ago about whether we should do something special for episode 200 and you're like no I'm just like, well, move on <laughs> again. Uh, as as we said, I believe you know on the hundredth episode we did our top ten of all time. I sure. feel like we went really we shot big our shot. for that. Like it's it's hard. You know, we could do performances or something like that, or we could do the best movies that we've done on the podcast. That's exactly. I like, thought about the, I thought about that exact thing the other day. It's like, what's your favorite movie we reviewed on the podcast? Because like I feel like half of our top ten lists every year are stuff we didn't review on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so well, mine's Little Women. Uh, oh sure. well. Yeah, which we did. Yeah, we did that. Did do that on the podcast, obviously. We did. But yeah, I, I feel like I wanted us to get to like ten, 10 years of the podcast or something before we can actually make like a solid list of like here are the top ten movies or something. That yeah, we've done. best of the decade is in the decade that we've done this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Right now, it just yeah. feels like okay, like we've we, you know we've barely we haven't even done reached five years yet. I don't think so. Not yet. Um, we're getting there. I mean, we're only like four months away. Yeah, most people would probably be able to know what our lists are because we still talk about a lot of these movies. That's all true. The time, so. Also, it'll be, I mean, <clears throat> in any decade list, when you're doing it at the end of the decade, there's some element of recency bias involved probably. But it'll also be, I mean, put that aside, but like it'll be interesting to see what we think of, or for example, what I think of Tenet at the end, at, you know, in, in 2027 or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I, well, I regularly think about thing, rewatching Scott. that movie again, Scott. I've seen that movie so many times and I regularly think about rewatching it. Here's the thing, Scott. You've already thought of it, actually. What, yeah. what you think about Tenet in 2027. You've actually already thought of it. So, y Yeah, I mean, I'm actually from the future. So I'm act I actually seen the previous version of this podcast that we did and it sucked, which is why we're not doing a special episode and we're just reviewing Bullet Train instead. Yeah, again, we were saying that we're not doing anything special for the 200th episode, but actually what you don't know yet is that the 200th episode is a temporal pincer. So um, <laughs> that that's pretty special, I think. Anyway, so yeah, this is episode 200. Technically, even of our main episodes, 201, because we did an episode zero, whatever, guys, yeah. just appreciate the nice things in life, no like, a nice, like a nice round 200. But as already mentioned, today's uh, milestone topic of conversation will be the Brett Brad, I almost said Brad, Brad Pitt, um, Brad Pitt led actioner Bullet Train, cast as a recently former assassin with bad luck trying to get back in the business. Sound vaguely familiar for David Leach? 
Pitt's character, codenamed Ladybug, is a last-minute replacement operative tasked with a simple mission. Board a bullet train from Tokyo to Kyoto, retrieve a briefcase on board, and get off the train. Sound easy? Not so for the down-on-his-luck Ladybug. Unbeknownst to him, there are at least four other operatives on board. Tangerine, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. Lemon, played by Brian Tyree Henry. A not-so-innocent schoolgirl codenamed The Prince, played by Joey King. And a vengeful father named Yuichi played by Andrew Koji. The former two have been hired to recover the kidnapped son of the dangerous crime boss called the White Death and to return the son and the ransom money, that is, the briefcase Ladybug is trying to steal. The prince, up to her own schemes, lures Yuichi to the train after revealing to him she is the one who pushed his son off the top of a building earlier that day. And with this cast of assassins all on board and the potential for others, notable hijinks and a number of twists ensue as the simple job becomes more than complicated for Brad Pitt's Ladybug. Scott, did the ensemble cast, high-speed action, and twisty track keep you engaged and having fun throughout? Or did you think that Bullet Train ran out of track before it reached its destination? Yeah, you you accidentally invoked the name of famed letterbox user Brad yeah. Pitt there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to say it was it was kind of fitting because this movie is kind of a Brad Pitt letterbox review of a movie, which is you look at it and you're like, how does this have so many likes on it? Uh, because I go to my letterbox and uh, there are people just blowing up on Bullet Train, giving it four and a half, five stars. Okay, that, that's too much. I gave it four stars. Yeah. But, I mean, I'll, I'll out myself. I gave it four stars. I had a really good time. But I, four and a half, guys, calm down. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think they're about two stars too high for my liking. Uh, Scott, this movie's not for me. Um, yeah, I knew that when I, I was watching. I was like, Scott's not going to watch Yeah, this one. I, I was like, there's <laughs> no way Scott actually thinks that I'm going to enjoy this. But no. not, I mean, look, we're going uh, to spo- kind of spoil it right out of the gate. This movie features two cameos from two of my least favorite actors of all time. Wait, who's the um, other one? I know one well, there's of a, obvious. There's an there's an actress who cameos at the very end of the movie, and then there's oh an right. actor yeah, who right. has a very brief appearance. But anyway, see, I didn't really think of the 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 the, the, the we're just playing. the Ryan Reynolds cameo surprised me. I mean, I knew Sandra Bullock was in the movie. I mean, you could also it's her voice on the phone the entire time anyway. So yeah, but I didn't yeah. I couldn't place that, and I, I don't think they fair. expect you to place that either. Like it is supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, that's right. fair. That but, there was um, a lot of hubbub made about um. Well, there's actually a third cameo. Shannon Tatum's also in this movie. And yeah. there's like a whole shit, like a whole, you know, conversation about Shannon Tatum and Sandra Bullock cameoing in Brad Pitt's movie and Brad Pitt cameoing in Sandra Bullock and Shannon Tate's movie early for the, sure. earlier this year. So that's why I knew about the Sandra Bullock cameo. But, um, but sorry, go ahead. But yeah, but anyway, um, it, I guess it shouldn't have been a huge surprise that Ryan Reynolds did show up because he did also show up in uh, Hobbs and Shaw, right? Which David Leach directed. Um, but which character the, was he in that? Sorry. He was in the diner. Remember, he doesn't he like oh, show up. Sure. In the yeah, diner? I mean the Scott. I that yeah. pff, gone. I have no. I, mean, I, I couldn't enough. tell you what happened. I, I'm kind of embarrassed. I even remember that. Anyway. Yeah. But um. But yeah, Scott, I I, I didn't enjoy this movie. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, it's not really for me. But I don't think it's super successful either. I think the comedy in this movie is pretty awful at times. Like, there are times when I'm just sitting there questioning myself because there have been a lot of, you know, blockbuster movies like this, I feel, recently, where I have criticized the comedy. Marvel movies obviously have done it a lot. And there are points in this movie when I'm just sitting there questioning, 
like myself do i not understand what comedy is like do i not understand what is funny anymore because well, I, are... I don't think that your humor is aligned with like modern day comedies that's why you enjoy 90s movies so much man you're, the comedy is just different and i don't really enjoy comedies in general to be honest with you but but there are two but, sorry i'm ta- but i'm talking about like the cheesy comedy and yeah, like yeah, 90s yeah. action movies or whatever there are two running gags in this movie which i think are legitimately awful awful and they they are not funny at the beginning and they are not funny the 25th time that they do it because they do it 25 times in the movie one is the freaking thomas the tank engine bit which brian tyree henry's character has never funny never once funny and you can tell they're trying to go for like a stupid knockoff tarantino like thing where like, oh, why are we talking about some random pop culture, other pop culture item in the movie where this is not central to the plot? But Tarantino knows when to give it up, right? And it just goes on and on. And okay, it has a vague significance to the plot at one point, but not enough to actually justify the insane overuse of this. It's just so dumb. And then the other one, which I hated, was Brad Pitt's character basically being like oh i i practicing self-care and like i'm seeing a counselor and all this stuff and like trying to advocate for like peaceful ways to resolve the insane violence that's going on on the train not not really that funny of an idea even less funny in execution um i don't think brad pitt was the right actor for this role to be honest with you i think ryan reynolds was probably the right actor for this role um But yeah, I just don't think that the movie really delivers. It feels like one of those, you know, you've seen the memes on Twitter before where it's like, we programmed a computer to, you know, or we we forced the computer to watch. In this case, we forced the computer to watch every Guy Ritchie movie. And here's what it produced. Um, That's kind of how I felt watching this. Because you have Aaron Taylor Johnson as like the classic you know, Cockney, uh, yeah, Cockney, or yeah, Cockney guy, guy, Richie character, and even Brian Tyree Henry also to some extent. Um, you have like the dialogue, which just thinks it's a lot more clever than it honestly is. Like, I don't, I don't think the movie is as clever as it thinks it is. Um, I wanted more from the premise of like, I don't know. I, I guess I wanted more of like a Snowpiercer type thing. Which... You wanted more from the premise? You wanted Snowpiercer in this movie, Scott? <laughs> well, what movie I, were I you guess my expectations were different is what I was saying. <laughs> like I, I was expecting, oh, you know, there's going to be difference because, you, you know, they, they pitch it to you. There's all these different characters and subplots and stuff. Well, you're going to go to a different train, a car of the train or something, and you're going to have to deal with a different thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. But unfortunately, it's all a mishmash, right? Like yeah. everything is kind of connected. And it's overstuffed, and not every supporting character or subplot gets its due. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted it to be over when we yeah. got to the, the last 20 minutes or so. Um, they, so did, they did my girl Zaz pretty dirty in this movie. Yeah, and uh, you know they did Bad Bunny even dirtier, arguably. Um, well, he's not an actor, though. So famed funny. actor, Bad Bunny. But <laughs> yeah. no, Scott, I mean... Look, people seem to be enjoying this movie, so you can take my opinion with a grain of salt. Sure. I wasn't super excited for the movie when the trailer came out. I didn't think it looked that great. But if you liked the trailer, you'll probably like the movie because I think they are, you know, pretty similar. Uh, It has some fun moments of action. Like, I think the choreography, the fight choreography and everything is good. 
but that is the bare minimum that you would expect when you have David Lynch directing. So I wanted something more than that. And this movie just didn't deliver. And there are elements of it that I actually think are, are bad. Like I said, sure. Yeah. Brother, I don't know what movie you're trying to go watch it. David Leach is directing and you thought that you were going to get something from Snowpiercer. Like, I don't know what you're expecting. Well, I didn't mean the level of thematic depth yeah, that yeah. is going on. at Snowpiercer. Yeah. I meant that the concept of like, the oh, you go to a different car of the train, right? And something different is going on. That was kind of what I thought this movie was going to be at first. Yeah. So, yeah. Sort of like a what? what's the right word? Like, um, like a gauntlet kind of thing. Like you, yeah. <laughs> you can kill the assassin in one car, move to the next one. Kind of thing. I was kind of expecting with all the like the different characters something more akin to like a bit of like more mystery than there was. I mean, there is like a characters are in the dark for a large portion of this movie. Yeah. And no different like, piece of information. I know you never saw this movie, but the commuter, that Liam Neeson movie. Oh, it's yeah, an sure. action movie, yeah, but also it does kind of have this more uh, I'll never forget the movie. trailer. It's not a good movie. movie. Don't watch it. Yeah, uh, don't worry, it, I'm not. It 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 has a kind of mystery element to it as well, more so than this movie at least. Yeah, I would definitely say I agree. Like the, the writing in this is definitely the the weakest part of the movie. I thought Brad Pitt was was fine in this role. I enjoyed him personally. I I much prefer him in this role than 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 uh, Ryan Reynolds. I mean, I like Ryan Reynolds Deadpool movies, but the whole Ryan Reynolds shtick it just has just gotten old at this point. They like it, he's just doing the same thing in every movie, and, and this feels like I don't know like a different flavor um, for for Brad Pitt, and it's one that I enjoyed. Like it, it's him just being weird and silly and like i don't know i think that's ultimately what he wants to be as an actor at the end of the day i think he wants to do a little bit of everything um so i'm i'm glad he got to do it i enjoyed brian tyree henry being in a movie for longer than 15 minutes so i i guess i enjoyed that element of it um literally thought i mean this is spoilers i guess as well i thought that they had killed the killed the poor the poor man again in this movie but no he's the one who makes it through in the end yeah and i did i did occur to me like oh yeah he finally gets like a decent sized role in a movie and what did they give him to do like but this awful comedic bit about thomas the tank engine which is like 75 percent of his character yeah scott scott's just like i mean anthropomorphic trains not on the not on the list for scott of things that he's going to be down for uh what we're getting to this is that scott is a diesel in in this in this whole affair so Tag it, tag him with that sticker, I guess. Uh, ha, ha. <laughs> um, the funniest part is that I couldn't, I couldn't remember a single other name for that movie besides Thomas and Diesel. I know they, they there's is Percy one of them? I think Percy might have been one of them too. I don't know, couldn't tell you, don't remember. Um, oh, Thomas yeah. the Tank Engine was never for me when I was growing up, and that's that's fine. Uh, comedy wise, like some of it worked, some of it didn't, but that's like every comedy. I mean, like, I'm not expecting to think all the bits are funny, and I thought that that. The action was was actually really well choreographed, which I think is why I enjoyed one of the elements that I think made Brad Pitt being in this movie a lot better is because I think that uh, not that Ryan Reynolds can't star in an action movie. I mean, he has he's done stuff like that, but I think that there's just something extra I feel like about having Brad Pitt in it and his ability to I, I guess like I think he just brings more, a more more of a physicality than um, than at least what I've seen with Ryan Reynolds outside of, you know, like I was saying, the Deadpool movies, like the, the stuff that I've seen from the other movies that he's done. You know, free guy, etc. Um, not that I've seen all of Free Guy, but I've seen enough of it to know know what it's about. I um, saw the trailer, which is <laughs> exactly. enough of Free Guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson. I feel like I haven't seen him in something in forever. Like, when's the last time we saw him? I mean, besides him doing cowboy shit, like, what is what else has he been up to? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's probably he's probably oh, he been in the stuff Kingsman. That we just haven't seen. He yeah, that is true. Yeah. Okay, and he's gonna be cra- he's Craven and Craven the Hunter coming out next year. Um, cool. 
He's in but his yeah. Cockney era, I guess, if he was in Kingsman, I'll say. Maybe. Is that a Cockney thing? Isn't that London-based? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes in that movie isn't that a Cockney accent. Played that character. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what character. I don't understand the Kingsman. I don't understand whose characters or what's. I don't get. I don't understand yeah. that lore at all. Not for me. Um, I actually, who knows? Maybe I'd enjoy that movie. I'm not <laughs> sure. But overall, I had a good time. I, I went to the movies. I had a good time. I'm going to forget about this movie within a month. And that's okay. Um, I was definitely, I mean, I said that I gave it four stars already. I was definitely between three and a half and four walking out. But I was in a good mood. You know, I was seeing heat later in the day. Scott, I was in a good mood. Um, so, and you, and you, after watching one of the greatest films of all time, you didn't want to retroactively go back and be like, you know what, maybe four stars, maybe only one star lower than Heat is a little bit too high to rate Bullet Train. Well, see, the thing is, Scott, is that the last time that I talked about lowering a star rating on something, I got burned by a group <laughs> chat. So now I just don't change my ratings. <laughs> um, and that is what it is at this point. Fair so enough. we're just gonna have to live with it. Um, Scott, I gave some thoughts about the cast just now. You thought Brad Pitt not so great in this role, or at least you'd rather have not seen him in this role. Do you want to elaborate any further on that? I mean, look, I think it's a Ryan Reynolds type role because for a few reasons. Number one, I think this character needs to have more normal guy energy, and Brad Pitt does not have normal guy energy to me. Like, Brad Pitt is a movie star. Brad Pitt, like, you watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or something – He's like one of the coolest dudes. Like to he's do not it. a movie star in that movie, though. Well, that's what I'm saying, and that's yeah. where he thrives. He thri- We've talked about it before with Brad yeah. Pitt, and it's not an original idea by me either. He has though. character like, actor energy. He's right. a character actor, yeah. right? Well, this is a but, character, Scott. I don't know what you're talking about, Ladybug. <laughs> yeah. Well, here he is doing like like I said, he needs to have more normal guy energy because he is like, oh, I'm the unluckiest hitman, right? Like the. Un- I just get followed by bad luck everywhere. People that I'm not even trying to kill end up dead on my side. <laughs> yeah, I thought that um, that was funny. I did. I did. It's enjoy a funny that. idea, but again, the execution of it is just whatever. The guy jumping off um, the building. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that was funny. And number two is that he's doing all this, like again, this dumb comedy about like, oh, I'm you know, I'm trying to be peaceful now. Like, I'm not going to take my gun. You know, you guys should really consider all this stuff that my therapist is telling me and all this stuff. Just corny so corny and again i don't think of brad pitt doing that um i just think it it doesn't feel right for it like it doesn't again i look at brad pitt and i don't think he should be doing these corny jokes and that's just maybe that's just me having a higher higher opinion of brad pitt um but to me i don't think it was it was a weird role for him like he probably just did it because i guess maybe he had fun making the movie and that's great if he did but uh, I don't think this is one that he's going to want to remember. And I do think, again, I'm, I'm when I'm hearing some of the jokes and stuff, I'm like, these sound like Ryan Reynolds jokes. Like, and he obviously he played free guy. Like, he has the ultimate normal guy energy for like a movie star. So I think it would have made more sense to have him in this role or other people. I mean, not not just him probably, but he, I think he's the best example that I can think of. Um, it just feels like it's more in his niche, whereas Brad Pitt, you know, he just won an Oscar, right? Like two, two years ago. Um, it, it feels weird that all of a sudden he's pivoted into doing an action movie for the first time since, I don't know, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, like is, was there one since then? Um, you know, it's I been mean, a he was long in Deadpool too, but I don't know if you want to count that. <laughs> that doesn't count, but, um, 
it's been a long time since he did something like this. And, and, you know, again, maybe like he won the Oscar now, whatever. He's like, I'm just going to go have fun and do what I want to do. And if, you know, if that's what it is, more power to him. But I just don't think this role. I think World right. War Z probably been his last action movie. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 2013. Um, yeah, I, I, I do hear what you're saying. I think that, I think that Brad Pitt's a bit of a cornier guy than you give him credit for. Like, I think he's doing, I think he's doing a little corny stuff in, in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood every once in a while. Um, he's not, he's not playing it super straight. Not this type of corny though. Like, well, not, not to the degree, but also Scott. Like, yeah. like I'm here, I'm here on, on the, on the, in, in the in the in the safe zone and shaking hands with you on the fact that this script is dog shit um but look look go look up the the writer he doesn't have a wikipedia page for a reason <laughs> Stephen knight no. <laughs> Stephen um, knight yeah exactly uh no I, look i'll give him credit i'll give the writer credit for what he did uh what's his name his name is zach olkowitz um never heard of him before may never hear about like him again no kowitz am i right <laughs> more, more, like, more like nope <laughs> i saved that one for the 200th episode just yeah so there you know. go he's been sitting on that one for a while but yeah kind of like you i did it i enjoyed the premise and i mean like american in japan brad pitt being a weirdo like talking about his like zen state I, like I, look i think that they may be overcommitted to that bit I, I will say that much but i thought it was funny for a period of time in the film for sure and by the end i was just like okay i've heard you know this there is there was enough of this um but by the, by the time we get to the end of the movie i'm just like cackling at like some of the twists like some of the twists at the end of this movie are so yeah. silly so silly we'll, get, we'll like, get to those in a minute but oh god again it just feels like first draft stuff and i know you're not really disagreeing with me it just feels like first draft like what if there was a hitman who actually was, you know, he was trying to advocate for more peaceful things now that he's gone to his therapist or whatever. It's like, okay, like that's a setup. That is not the the end of it. Like there needs, you need to go somewhere else with that. Like that's just like. Not not again, every movie needs to be deep, Scott. I don't, know if, I don't know if I agree with this. I'm not, I'm not saying it needs to be deep. I'm just saying you need to advance. That That is one joke. That is, that is a joke. That is not. I mean, then there's Thomas the Tank Engines. Got you. We got more yeah, for you, buddy. Uh, with we those got... two, with those two jokes, what else do you need? <laughs> it's true. Right. It's true. Um, but I mean, then there was like so. Then there was Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry. They, they're sort of a duo in Tangerine and Lemon. This is the one that was much more hit and miss for me. Again, I wasn't as negative on Thomas the Tank Engine as you were, but like my God, they beat they beat that tank to death. Um, they they ran that tank to the end of the line and beyond. Uh, to say to say the least, I think that it, it I think that it would have been better served with less earlier on about it so that like it, it comes up at the beginning and it comes back around at the end when he like slaps the diesel sticker or whatever on on Joey King's character. And then maybe it's sprinkled in throughout like in the middle there. But it was it was more than sprinkled. It was heavily poured on. And I do think that was one of the that was that I that I will say definitely one of the jokes that wore out its welcome faster than some of the others and then there were a bunch of cameos oh i guess i'll stop there did you want to say anything else about aaron taylor johnson and brian tyree henry i thought that they were committed performances but yeah not necessarily my favorite roles in the movie committed is definitely i think a good word for it i mean again i think aaron taylor johnson fits right in that you know guy that character could have been right out of he has the vibe of it for sure so he did what he was asked to do i think 
Uh, I think their chemistry together is pretty good. Yeah, um, totally. You know, I told I did believe them as like, oh, these guys, you know, have been friends and partners since they were kids, right? We see that it goes back to being a kid and watching uh, West Ham because there are a lot of West Ham references yeah. in this movie, including bubbles. the fact that we're forever blowing bubbles <laughs> played twice in the movie. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, again, the Brian Tyree Henry, as much as I enjoy him as an actor, the whole his whole character is soured by what I thought was a, just an awful bit. Uh, with the Thomas the, the Tank Engine, and we—I'm not exaggerating, right? If you haven't seen the movie, like it is three fourths of this character. The, ca like, the character it is, is so excessive. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't tell you another trait about the individual, except he's a West Ham fan. I guess that's the other thing, right? That's true. That's fair. I, although I wouldn't have said that organically without you having brought it up already. Yeah, um, true. Yeah, but it is true. It is true. Then there's a bunch of other. I mean, so I shouldn't say. So there's Joey King and Andrew Koji, and then a bunch of other cameos. Got um, Andrew Koji, someone I want to like, someone I keep seeing in random movies that I want to like a lot, um, but just end up feeling like he didn't do enough in the movie. And Joey King, ugh, I don't know. I don't know about this one, Scott. I don't know about Joey King in this movie. She was okay. I mean, it didn't it didn't rub me one way or the other, but. Um, yeah. Andrew Koji, yeah. I mean, I definitely think his character is one of the ones, and his father, um, the character's father, are, are two characters who just kind of get the short end of the stick. Yeah, definitely. Um, with their with their stories, and that's unfortunate since they are like the Asian characters in the movie that they're getting the short end of the stick narratively. Um, but well, Brian Tyree Henry, you know, he's black, so he has to get Thomas the Tank Engine, so. Sure, sure. I, I don't want to go down that road. But anyway, that like I said, that I don't feel like they're given enough to do with their character. Like, um, you know, Andrew Koji is given like a very simple like backstory of oh, I'm trying to avenge I can't even remember now, his son, right? Yeah. Who is pushed off of the roof. Um, yeah, who's in the hospital. Yeah. But later as we revealed is but he was pushed by Joey King's character. Um and that's about all there is to the character. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seemed like there was a lot more potential to explore the more of the connections, but both with the son and also with the white death, who does become a very relevant character by the end of the movie. And yeah, we, you get that, I guess, more with the father who's played by Hiroyuki Sonata, um, who's actually going to be in John Wick 4. I was just looking at his. His, um, yeah, I feel like I recognize his, his name. I don't know if he's been in other stuff. But... He has been in other stuff. Um, he was in... I was just looking. Let me pull it back up. Um, he was in... A, he was some, I guess, very minor character in Avengers Endgame. Um, he was in Army of the Dead. Um, he was Bly Tanaka. Don't remember that character. Oh, um, yeah. He's the guy who sends them on the mission. Oh, the... is he? Well, yeah, there you go. so that's probably what I remember from. from yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he's playing a character in John Wick 4 coming out next year. Uh, I don't know if you watched Mortal Kombat on HBO Max. No, I didn't. Yeah, um, he was in that movie. He was Scorpion in that movie. He was like, one of the main characters. Um, sure. But yeah, so, I, I, so, so you do get some of that, more of that backstory with the father. But the father like, doesn't really even come into play until like the last act, the last third of the movie. So it, it kind of feels like they've like blended 
the like the father and the son into one character, which is like yeah. fine, fair enough, whatever. But it, it did leave me maybe disappointed individually. Well, maybe specifically for Andrew Koji because I thought that, I mean, you got a lot of um, a lot of backstory with Hiroyuki um, Sonata, so you, you get a lot there. But it didn't leave very much um, for Andrew Koji to do, especially because not only is it's like he didn't successfully like take vengeance for his son, and he needed to be saved <laughs> um, by his father. So it's like. Not only did he not get very much from the character, but he ended up kind of looking like a little bit of an idiot. But neither here nor there. Scott, the talking about like there's so many twists in this film. We'll just jump to the last one, which just Scott, I was I was rolling the last twist in this movie. Not a plot twist, really. Um, just a twist in general that Michael Shannon <laughs> was playing the White Death. I did not know that this that Michael Shannon was in this movie, Scott. I don't know if you yeah. did or not. Um, yeah, that was one of the. I didn't know that. That was one of the few times I did smile when I saw when I noticed that it was him. Uh, yeah, I did more than smile, Scott. I thought it was utterly ridiculous that he was playing the White Death. Um, very funny stuff, Scott. What did you think of Michael Shannon? Michael Michael Shannon, um, Aaron Taylor Johnson, um, reunited from uh, Nocturnal mm-hmm. Animals, which That's maybe true. is like both of their best performances. But um, but yeah, no. I, I, so I assume by the final twist you're referring to the fact that basically we learned that the white death has like orchestrated them to all be on the train and kill each other um which and that i I guess that joey king is his daughter but that's like a a secondary part of the twist i guess i mean i feel like it's not like a huge reveal or anything like why would they all be on this train i feel like if you think about it for five minutes or so you can probably come to this conclusion so i didn't sure i didn't feel like it was some like genius oh wow oh I no that's totally also that's not really that like, and, yeah. and now i realize it was there the whole time you know like a really good twist or something yeah i didn't quite i didn't quite mean it like that i i was more just talking about how ridiculous it was that michael shannon was playing that michael this, shannon was sure. this <laughs> russian character uh, um i was entertained by the twists like the twists kept me guessing because like you said i think it's it's obvious that there's something there and it's Maybe it's the White Death. Maybe it's some other person that you don't even know about yet because the writing's not particularly great. So maybe they would do that. But um, it kept me course, it kept me entertained, but nothing more than that, I guess. Yeah, and then of course part of it is also right that oh, bad like Brad Pitt, right? He doesn't even he thinks that Brad Pitt is somebody who tried to kill him is is Carver, right? And turns out Carver is Ryan Reynolds, and that's where we get the reveal that it was actually Ryan Reynolds. And ha ha, everyone in the theater laughs. Um, because he's such a funny guy. So it's Scott, just... I, okay, okay, okay. I think I think that this whole thing is making fun of the fact that Ryan Reynolds would be the one who's in this movie. I, I think that this is a very meta joke. But the thing that you're complaining about, that Ryan Reynolds isn't the character in the movie, is what they're making fun of in this. It, I mean, I, I guess, I, sure. But again, it just, it just, to me, it was like, it accented for me that I was sitting there the whole time thinking... This Brad Pitt's character feels like a Ryan Reynolds character or whatever. And then they literally do a joke about how Brad Pitt is mistaken for the Ryan Reynolds character. And it's like, well, yeah, because, he, you know. Yeah, that's the Ryan joke. Character. <laughs> you, you, you figured out the joke. I just didn't find it funny. Um, yeah, that's fair. Because I just don't like seeing Ryan Reynolds show up in this stuff. But... Um, you know, maybe he needs to do a reverse Ryan Gosling, right? Because Ryan Gosling, to me, I prefer him in comedies, which is not what he normally does. Whereas Ryan Reynolds, he normally does 
comedic stuff. Maybe if he was in a drama, he would be like really good. I somehow doubt it, but uh, you know, I'm just I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here because I've obviously come down very hard on him. Yeah, I don't um, know. Interesting. I think I need to think. But about yeah, that. it just again once the twists start coming and it's like, oh, okay, so that's what the movie was, and then there's a lot of action at the end, and that this was the point where I was just like, let's let's wrap it up, guys. I'm I'm ready to go home. Um, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> the, because you know there's all these competing forces that are fighting each other now you have the white death and all of his henchmen you have joey king still alive you have brian tyree henry still alive you have you know andrew koji and his dad um that whole thing is still going on mm -hmm. and it just becomes a mishmash like i said whereas like some of the one-on-one -on -one fights or one-on-two fights whatever are you know somewhat entertaining from a choreography and, and everything standpoint this was just like full of sound and fury signifying nothing <laughs> wow getting getting deeply existential there i do think that the movie brought on like the last the very last part of the movie where they're like flying uh, out of kyoto on the tracks doing all that stuff. that i think that was stretched the movie like a little bit long i think the shadow on the platform would have been good enough for me um but i i think there also were some some funny some funny bits in there as well. I, I think that there was, there was a through line, you know, you were talking about the chemistry between Brian Tyree Henry and Aaron Taylor Johnson. And there was a moment, I guess with Brian Tyree Henry and Brad Pitt that I also thought worked pretty well. And I guess that was one of the better parts of that, of those last couple scenes there. Um, but yeah, the twist happens is that point. And, and yeah, it, maybe it drags on like, you know, a few minutes too long after the, after and the you know, twist. Oh, we're on top of the train and the guy gets his head lopped off well how many times have you seen that before like in a train movie so many i was surprised at how uh brutal the violence is at times um uh, but again i feel like that's part of like the 90s tarantino like guy Ritchie type thing that they are trying to knock off a little bit because those movies are you know shockingly violent um at times but yeah so is this movie like there's a pretty brutal stuff that happens like it, it definitely earns the art rating just on the violence alone yeah i'd be curious what david leach would say i don't i didn't really get a lot of tarantino in this movie but you you seem to be laser focused and trying to it trying to copy tar, like 90s tarantino movies which well, i didn't really the get big, the vibe of the big ensemble and like the fractured stories going on this like the the anachronistic music cues definitely um the again the dialogue being like oh we're gonna make all these like pop culture references and stuff we're gonna talk about thomas the tank engine there's other examples uh as well um what is it i think so, some some characters have a conversation like where they're trying to figure out what the name of a movie is or so, talking about a movie or something at one point but um mm -hmm. and then like i said the shocking violence and like just the mixture of like comedy and and very shocking violence all of that, I think, was is like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction era, Tarantino type stuff. Yeah, maybe. I don't I mean I don't think Tarantino is the only person who makes anachronistic pop culture references and has needle drops. But I do. I do hear what you're saying. Not anymore, because, well, he was the one who made that type of thing mainstream, though. Like, there's there's really no denying that. Like, sure, maybe there were people who did it before him, but like. Any film, pretty much any filmmaker who does it nowadays owes that to Tarantino. Like, pull, whether they know it or not, like, you know, sure. Pulp Fiction, 
made that sort of thing. And it's not as common anymore, but for the five, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years following Pulp Fiction, there were so many people trying to just knock off the movie. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, it, uh, yeah, I guess we, we didn't really, you, you mentioned it briefly in your general impressions, but this is ultimately an action movie. I think one of the things that I liked about this film the most is that I thought the action was good. You saw it, you, you described it as, you know, shockingly violent just now. I'd agree with that. I mean, this is like a hard, this feels like a, I mean, this is an R rated movie, right? Like this feels like a pretty hard R from a violence perspective movie. If this movie's PG 13, I, I don't know. I'm probably eating my words right now. I'm going to go Google it. Um, oh, there's no way. Yeah. There's also, like a, there's lot, also a lot of language. There's also movie. profanity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but I mean, I guess I kind of liked that. I, I just get, I get so bored by like the PG 13 skirting. Sure, no, I, of that was Disney, etc. I know, I know you weren't complaining. No, yeah. I'm just like, I think that's one of the things that almost endeared it to me is that like, yeah, sorry, I don't even know why that this movie couldn't have been rated R. The guy's like bleeding out of his eyes and like puking yeah. blood in this movie. Um, like I, like I was, I was taken aback at first by that, but I think it's one of the things that that almost sort of made it more endearing in that sense, um, j just because it you know, it felt unencumbered by trying to like fit squarely into these sort of guardrails that are created arbitrarily. And it's based on like an anime or a manga or something, right? Which, you know, those are, can get pretty violent at, at times. So. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. It, I think it's based on some sort of manga. I don't know the name of it, but um, something like that. Yeah. And yeah, those can get pretty violent. Um, there's a lot of things that can happen in those sometimes, but yeah, I enjoyed, I really did enjoy the action. I thought, I did like the bad bunny scene. Um, of course, they overplayed that to death in the trailer. Yeah. But the actual when the actual fight happens, um, good stuff there. A lot of you know using the uh, using the environment. A lot of creativity in that, um, which I appreciated. It's not just like you know a fist fight. It's not just a fist fight, right? Like you're they're in this like first class bar like bar car or whatever, and they're like using all sorts of stuff, which I enjoyed. Yeah, I, I mean, we're about to wrap up, I, I guess. But yes. so my favorite scene was probably the fight with Zazzy Beats. Um, sure. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, the poison, like the snake venom poison or whatever comes into play um, because she gets it shot into her. And then she pulls out the anti-venom. And one of the only like good comedic moments, maybe yeah. the only one. He just like rips it out of her hand and injects it into himself immediately. Yep. And he's like, oh, what? You didn't bring a backup or whatever? Like, you know, rookie mistake, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then she dies a horrific death um, just a few minutes after, you know, revealing herself and and whatnot. But uh, so I, I thought that that was a, you know, fun sequence there because the snake there, there are there are several like Chekhov gun Chekhov's guns in this movie that like, you know, get set up early on and then it's like well you know this is going to come back later on the um, massive bunny character that is as yeah. he beats the sure the snake um the gun that like will explode whenever the person shoots it like a literal Chekhov's gun um don't they literally make like, a meta joke joey king's Chekhov's character gun? like rigs the gun or whatever don't they make a meta joke about that or is that a different movie that i watched recently no, in Vengeance, they talk about Chekhov's guns. Yes, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Excellent. But it all, it all blurs together. 200 yeah. episodes, you know. Um, but the snake is one that I thought actually 
kind of worked again, at least in this moment or whatever. It, Especially because he got in the anti-venom or whatever already. So it was hilarious. Right. Because then he gets, funny. yeah, he gets bit again later yeah. and it's fine because the anti-venom is still in his bloodstream or whatever. I don't know if that's really how it works, but it's, I don't know either. The movie. But it's um, but yeah, they weren't they I, weren't I, very I, sure either because they felt it necessary to explain that he already had the anti-venom. Yeah. In his blood. <laughs> Introducing a snake into like a claustrophobic setting like this. Generally. Sammy J Samuel Jackson in this bad boy to yeah. talk, talk about the exactly. the snakes on the train. It's usually a good way to up the tension. So Yeah. Yeah, I w- I was gonna pivot to favorite senior moment. Um and we had the same favorite senior moment because I also was gonna I was saving for a nice big shout out for my girl, um, my OG um, person to watch out for. I think back in 2017. Um, when Not we did 2017. That. It wasn't that long ago, because it was 2019. 2018. Sorry, we didn't even have the podcast in 2017. Well, no, because 2018 we saw her in Deadpool 2, and after that was when you were like, "Oh, okay, she could be somebody." And then, so then I think 2019 was actually when you called her out. Yeah. Right. In 2018, I said Michael B. Jordan, didn't I? Because of Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, That sounds right. That sounds right. And then, yeah, because in 2019, she was in Joker. Rip. Speaking of which, let's hope she's not in Joker, too. Um, that was a that was a news story a few days ago, I feel like. I sent. Uh, yeah, that was definitely a thing. I didn't make that. I didn't I didn't dream that. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, but yeah, so that was my favorite scene as well. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I kind of figured that the bunny was like another assassin, but then it was like kind of confusing because I, I thought that the, there was going to be a fight earlier on in the movie with the briefcase or when the, when the bunny took the briefcase the first time. Um, but then that she, the fact that she's the horn, it made sense. It was a good, it was a good twist. It made sense. And it was a good fight. Didn't last very long either, which was, I think was a positive thing. Yeah. Um, but Scott, all right. Out of 10, what are you giving bullet train? I assume it's not going to be very high. It's a 4.2. I didn't really enjoy oh, it that much. Um, 4.2. I mean, it's I, it's either Goodness. I think it's in the, my bottom five movies of the year, honestly. Uh, where the crowd um, thing is worse is way worse than this movie. I mean, they're equivalent, probably. They're both not good. Yeah. Um, I would not recommend either one of them. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's not my kind of movie. Look, I, I don't think it's a very well done movie. I, I don't recommend it to people. Yeah. But also, I think my score takes an extra hit because it is. Sure. Personally, not something that is appealing to me. So, four point two. Good GPA though. Good. G- yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> you'll you'll do just fine uh, with that with that GPA. Um, I I'm giving it a, a seven point three. So I enjoyed it much more. It was it's a dumb summer. Like this is my like I like platonic ideal of like a turn your brain off, not looking for something deep at all, um, stupid action movie for the summer. Um, it's not top tier content, but it was, it was worth the two hours that I spent watching it. In my opinion, um, Michael Shannon as a Russian gangster. Why not? Um, all right. That should do it for our episode 200 discussion of bullet train. What a celebration this has been. Let's take a short break and we have to fulfill our contractual requirements to talk about Tom Cruise, Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese after the break. So Tune in for that. We'll be right back.
Welcome back for part two of today's episode of Some Like It, Scott. As we mentioned before the break, we have a couple news items to talk about. The first is related to Tom Cruise. Scott, Tom Cruise is not going to stop making movies anytime soon. Something we knew already and had assumed. But why don't you tell us about the 50,000 projects he has planned with Christopher McQuarrie? Yeah, no, we, we've talked about how he kind now he's at a point where he kind of just finds you know, collaborators that he really likes to work with and just really digs in with them. Obviously, yeah. Jess Kaczynski is one of those people he's worked with him on two movies now. And Christopher McQuarrie, we know, obviously, is one of those this people. Boy. Um, yeah, yeah, they've they've worked together for a decade now, um, just about. And they have three new projects that they are developing. Um, one of them, the one that I am least interested in, is a spinoff movie for les grossman or whatever the name yeah, of uh tropic thunder. his his tropic thunder character of course he was a big cameo in that people didn't know he was going to be in that and uh you know he showed up so there's some sort of spinoff movie involving that character that's being planned there's also another action movie that really we don't really know anything about it other than that's going to be an action movie um and then finally there's a musical uh a song and dance musical with tom cruise starring uh tom Cruise. i mean he's gonna wild be stuff. In the movie. yeah um of course he has been in a musical he was in rock of ages which is a movie that was critically very panned uh and i understand why i don't hate the movie uh i think it's fine i think he's pretty good in it um but yeah i don't i don't know that was a very specific sort of thing vibe where you could kind of see tom cruise fitting in because it's you know 80s hair metal right like it's it's when when uh tom cruise like you know came came up as a movie star was in the 80s i don't know what this is going to be um but because i certainly can't see him in like a classic you know fred and ginger style musical or anything like that so um and and christopher mccrory if he's going to direct the movie is gonna that's going to be interesting as well because he doesn't have any history doing musicals or anything like that. I mean, he barely but, has any history directing any movie that's not Mission Impossible. I know he has two movies that aren't Mission Impossible, but that's basically his entire directing career has been. Actually. Yeah, from a directing standpoint, I guess that's true. He's written um, plenty of stuff. I mean, he's won an Academy Award, I know, or whatever. But um, Way of the Gun was, I think, his first movie that he directed. But nobody yeah. really talks about that movie. But, um, but anyway, like, you know, he can obviously put together a good action set piece. So maybe, you know, that will lend itself to a musical. Um, maybe. I don't know. But uh, it's fascinating that Tom Cruise is, is going to do that because it seems like a little bit of a risk. It seems like he's definitely putting himself out there and taking a chance. And I feel like maybe we were at a point with Tom Cruise where we're thinking, well, he's just going to he's just kind of easing himself along. Now he's going to keep doing these action movies, which obviously he is literally taking a risk every time he does one. Right. Because he's doing these insane stunts on his own. But in terms of from the type of roles and types of movies they are, they're not really taking risks, right? He's not going for the Oscars anymore. He's not doing like Born on the Fourth of July or something like that. Um, it seems it seemed like he was he you know he had he was comfortably moving on into a new phase of his career. But maybe this musical being on the horizon suggests that he wants to try and you know make a run. I don't know I don't know about that an Oscar. I don't know what kind of movie it's going to be, but. Um, I don't think you know, the Academy is going to give Tom Cruise an Oscar, like flat out. I don't, I don't know what he would have to do to get an Oscar. Making a run at something different, though, which is is cool to see because you know I I will follow him anywhere uh, on the on the movie screen. Not like, uh, oh, 
not often. Great. Scott's uh, announcing you, his you know conversion to Scientology. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad he's not slowing down because obviously he was in one of the best movies of this year with Top Gun Maverick. And, you know, he's got the next two Mission Impossibles coming out over the next two years, which. And he's got the Doug well Lyman space of movie. Of those years. And he's got the space movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, you talk about he's risking his life every time he does one of these movies. I mean, he's doing something called speed flying in uh in mission impossible uh dead reckoning part two mission impossible eight that was like the the article that i think came out like a couple days ago is that he's doing some sort of speed flying stunt i don't even know what that means um i'll have to look that up in more detail later but that that is like his latest death defined stunt um in and i guess mission impossible eight i don't know It, it seems like he should he should take a page out of uh um oh goodness Oh, Rebecca Ferguson's book and fight and sword fight with only one eye. But, you know, if speed flying is cool, too, I guess. Whatever. So this is exciting. I mean, Christopher McQuarrie, he's directed six movies. I looked it up. He's directed six movies. Five of them are Mission Impossible or Jack Reacher. And then, yeah, The Way of the Gun, which I don't know what that movie was. I don't don't. know. It, I don't Del think Toro. it was particularly well received or anything. I know one person who likes it, but it's not a, a critic or anything like that. Let me put it that yeah. way. And even all the writing credits that he has, except for the usual suspects, which is what he won his Academy Award for. Right. I mean, the rest of these are also action movies. I mean, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, The Mummy. <laughs> yeah, good job. Good job there, Chris. Um, Valkyrie. I guess Valkyrie's is Valkyrie's not really an action movie, but no. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what he comes up with. Maybe he won't write um, these other movies. Maybe he will hand that off to another and and focus on you know, like you're saying, trying to craft the uh, the set pieces of these movies um, visually as the director. Um, or maybe he'll try to write a song and dance movie. It would be interesting, I guess. I don't know. In other news, talking about people who can write and direct a movie, Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio. It's been announced for a long time that they were doing, uh, is it Devil in the White City? Um, And I feel like that that had been talked about Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio. Not not sure to the extent that Scorsese is directing um, and and or writing, but that he and Leonardo DiCaprio are at least producing the project. And it was announced just yesterday, I believe, that Keanu Reeves is going to be, I believe, playing the titular character. He's going to play the devil. He's he's fought the devil before. It's caused Constantine. I should have done my research, Scott. Let's be honest. Well, he's also fought the devil in the Devil's Advocate, so he knows he knows his his devils. So Look, I'm if, not, can, I'm if not you can't of, beat him, join him. That's what they say, right? I'm not I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just didn't think of that as a titular character, but you know, fair. Right. I'm sure it's some metaphor. I haven't read the book. Um, but it's one. I feel like I one of those things that's, you know, a, a, a novel that has been long talked about being yes. adapted, but hasn't really quite happened. He's set to star in the film. Maybe he's playing the devil in the White City. Maybe he's playing some other main character in that book. Scott, you said you had you had read it. No, I haven't. But I'm familiar with it. Like it's it's a it was a huge bestseller. It's about like a murder that happened that takes place at like the world's fair in chicago i believe in like the 20s so, so i assume that the devil the, uh, being referred to as the murderer and counter i feel like keanu reeves could do that sure or is he just going to be massacred at the world's fair or is he going to be like a detective is it like an investigation yeah, yeah i don't i don't know that that's the other end of the spectrum i guess but 
look, I have been a Keanu defender before most people were. Um, Seven Ronin, Stan, rise up. Not exactly, but, you know, Keanu stars in Speed, which is like my favorite action movie of all time. Obviously, Matrix Trilogy, John Wick. He's very much proved himself in the action realm. I think he can be a good dramatic actor. You watch something like Sam Raimi's The Gift. I think he gives a pretty solid performance in that. Um, I know there are other examples, too. I mean, The Devil's Advocate, you know, I think he's... That's a movie that gets crazy, but I think he he does a, a good job in that role as well. Um, to see him working with such a heavy hitter um, in Martin Scorsese is, is pretty cool. Um, it just shows how far I think he's come from being, like, one step away from doing bargain bin action movies, and now he's working with, like you know, one of the greatest directors yeah. of all time. So. I mean, he's so mercurial. I mean, I remember back in 2017, he was like the cult leader in the Bad Batch, like just weird stuff that he was doing. <laughs> just like really weird stuff that he was doing. And I feel like this isn't weird stuff, but I feel like that's like Devil in the White City vibe. You know, like that's that's a vibe, you know? Yeah, and, you know, this is kind of unrelated, but everyone's every story you hear about Keanu Reeves is that he's a great person also. So I like to see yeah. those types of people winning because we just talked about Tom Cruise who I love to see winning because he's a great actor, but as a person, not a noted eh. great person. Yeah. Um, but Keanu, I think is okay. You know, he's the best of both worlds. Yeah. Right on. All right. I think that should just about do it for episode two zero zero of some like it's Scott can't believe we've made it this far we're still going strong I, you know you were talking at the beginning about how it's just like it's just something you accept and i feel that way too i'm like every once in a while, i'm like should i should we be thinking about whether or not we should be continuing to do this i'm like nah we just do it it's fine we're all seeing movies anyway it's it, all good exactly like it it doesn't feel that much out of the the way to even do it anymore like what this yeah. is you know we just this was an hour this took us an hour barely over an hour to do and we're we're gonna see the movies anyway. Like even though even though Bullet Train wasn't like super appealing to me, I would have seen it anyway, whether there was yeah. a podcast or not. Um, and we like talking about movies. And you know, I have a lot of friends who also like talking about movies, but like I have that I, less than you do. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. This is a unique format for being able to do so. So I just it think provides structure. It makes sense to continue doing it, whether yeah. or not it's successful or not. <laughs> yeah we're not doing it for the success and fame scott don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> we said that at 100 episodes yeah well we said that at now. episode one episode two episode three and now episode 200 yeah all right scott where can people find you on social media after 200 episodes i am still at scarvy dent on all platforms look at that but you've you've joined a few new platforms along the way were you on letterboxd at the beginning i don't think so um I think I was, but I wasn't using it. I, I believe mm. I started using it around the summer of 2018. Like yeah, because I, I converted my I converted to Letterbox like I think around the holidays that year because you had yeah you it was actually it was yeah. actually our best of the year episode in 2018. Yeah, when we I remember us. Yeah, yeah, I remember us talking about it on the episode that you had just signed up for. Yeah, and you can find me at shelton two zero one three on Letterbox on other forms of social media as well. Um, you can also check out our podcast Patreon page. We've had that since the beginning as well, although literally none of you um, have ever gone there, I'm pretty sure. That's www.patreon.com slash media plug pods. 
you know, episode 200. Support our accomplishments of reaching 200 episodes. That'd be really yeah. cool. Um, but if not, that's okay. You can still find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast, where we'd love it if you rated, reviewed, subscribed, shared, told someone about it, told one of your like movie nerd friends about it that isn't listening, that like you know isn't listening to us. Just tell them to listen to us. Um, that'd be great. We really appreciate you guys as well for taking time to listen to us for now more than 200 episodes, like probably close to 250 if you have listened to the other stuff as well. Pretty crazy. Because we know no other way, we will, we'll be back next week uh, with a review of the A24 slasher comedy, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. We hope you'll join us for that. But until then, for Scott Harvey, I'm Scott Shelton. See you next time. Thanks for 200. See you down the road.